Bless you. Wow, don't even like him. <laughs> oh, it's so, so good to be here and uh, to see Joseph and his parents. It is so really good. Um, it is so, so good. Um, the, uh, yeah, we were talking earlier. It's amazing. Uh, you know, and... and Kevin's been ten, and Isabel ten years as senior leader pastoring you lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you know it's because it is amazing in what we do. I mean, we're we're doing this nearly thirty years. I started when I was five years of age, and I think you know after being that long in ministry, you know it's 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 a it's a weird kind of a calling or job, whatever you want to call it, you know, because Kevin will think about you, will pray for you, now in a diff- and then will talk about you um, in a different way that you'll talk about him, that's for sure, and, uh, and they'll have a conversation before they went on holiday. It's a cert. We have the same conversation. The conversation goes something where Isabel will say to Kevin, we are not talking church. We are not talking shop. We are not talking church. It lasts for about an hour in the, in the travel down and the rest of the time. That says something about the person um, and the persons that they are. To be here 10 years is something else. Bless you, buddy, really. Um, I love the connection. I love this place. I really do. And it's so good to, to, to be here with Gail, who we were 36 years married there. 36 years. That's ridiculous. And... Paul was 35, 35, and it was so good to hear the worship, and it was so good that Alison and Martin and Gary carried him through that. That was really good. So, so well done. It was so, so, so good. So it is so good to be here. It really is. Um, as I say, 36 years married. Uh, we, we went to Valencia uh, for three nights. Uh, romantic that I am. Isn't that right? We uh, flew out to, we cheapy, um, out to Valencia, and uh, we thought, you know, on the 23rd of May, the, that, the day and hour that, you know, we, we married, and, you know, that was the future together, and we thought, a bit of a romantic, thought we'd go for a nice Indian, you know, big lad evening, and uh, we've been walking all day, 10 mile, actually. Um, I'm not built for speed, I'm built for comfort, and uh, we, we walked, we did, we walked, walked. There's things called taxis, um, but, but even in Valencia, we didn't use them, and so we walked, and then we walked that night for this beautiful Indian. It was about 8.30 at night. We got there and thought, mm, we ain't eating in there. Um, it was that kind of a place. He thought, dear knows what's going on in there, and I had a funeral on that Friday, and I was thinking, my goodness, I wanted to be all right for that Friday. So we, now, and just to say, can I just say this before I really get to what I'm going to talk about? She was all dressed up as the night, you know what I'm saying, right? All the, the, you know, the makeup and all, the Dulux and the blow lamp and all, all of the stuff and the beautiful dress. I threw on a t-shirt and uh, we went out, right? And this is, this, is, this is true, isn't it? Right? And I'm not exaggerating this at all, but we didn't eat in the Indian. You know where we went for our 36th anniversary meal? Kentucky Fried Chicken, Right? 
That is true. There is, no, there is nothing like looking over at your beautiful wife all dressed up over two greasy bits of chicken, right? And a wee bargain box, right? And she said, she says to me, she says, Paul, we're not telling anybody about this. Right? And I says, Gail, I'm telling everyone. I'm a, I'm a blinking legend, right? So, so we're going to go out this week. We are. We're going to go out this week to one of those, you know, those gourmet places that make food in front of you. Going to Subway. Um, so that's, that's what we're, we're doing this week. Right, we're going to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. And uh, we're going to, oh goodness, we're going to just walk through these, these verses and uh, pick out a few things. Um, I remember some guy talking about um, going to be a helicoptic view. I had a baldy notion of what it was, but it sounded good. So we're going to do a helicoptic view through these verses. Mark chapter 2, I'm reading from the, the Northern Ireland version. Uh, it says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he'd come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get to him, get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. They lowered the mat the man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to, to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So, he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we've never seen anything like this. Father God, we thank you for your word. Lord, this is not just another thing we do in a Sunday service. Lord, we want to hear from you. We hear from so many voices. But Lord, we tune into heaven's voice today. Lord, we want your word. In the wilderness that we live, in the dry places, in the empty places, refresh us. Lord, renew our spirits, we pray. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. When I was a, a young child, I, I loved church. I really, that's what I grew up in. And uh, I, I, loved, I loved preaching. And uh, the call of God was, was on me at an early age. And I loved, I mean, my granny, um, we lived in Belfast. And I would have been down and staying with my granny over the summer. And we had church. We did. I had a, um, I had a wee fire guard. was my pulpit because I wanted the fire to fall, hallelujah. So I had the wee fire guard. I had a wee drum kit that was a, I was going to say worship, but worship wasn't there them days as such. We had the chorus, the two choruses before the opening hymn. 
I mean, that's what we'd do, bop, bop, boom, bop, bop. So that was me. I would do the, you know, that bit, and then I would preach the word and praise God. My granny got saved every week. You know, she came through. It was amazing. I loved it because I love the word of God. It is so good. It is so good. It's not some old fuddy-duddy book filled with old stories. It is something that not only you will read, but it will read you. It's that kind of, other, other books will, 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 you'll can read, but this is the power of Almighty God. His word to us, it'll show you who you are and whose you are. And I'm one of those radical believers. I believe all of it. I do. And it's amazing. And I love the Gospels. Because it's where I hear about the, the ministry of Jesus, how he walked, how he talked, how he interacted with people from all walks of life. One commentator said the Gospels are Christology in narrative form. Fancy way of saying this is a biography of the greatest man who ever walked this planet. And Mark, in his Gospel, Jesus has been walking, healing folk, all around the region, and he gets to a certain house. Say he's back. It's, historians tell us it's Simon Peter's house. And verse 1 says, Jesus comes home to rest. It gets noised abroad. Jesus is here. Jesus is in the house. And so people are talking. They're, they're texting. They're on Instagram. They're on that new threads. They're on doing all of this stuff. Jesus is in town. Everybody needs to be there. And everybody is there. It is so full. So packed. There's no room. Why? Because Jesus is there. The presence of the Lord is in the house. It's standing room only because of the presence of the Lord. Because his presence is there, people from all walks of life are there. People are drawn to his presence. Now, as a, as a church leader for, as I say, almost 30 years and being in all different sort of expressions, that's the key word now these days, but you have the, you know, you've had the four ideas and the, the six hints and the 45 tips of how to bring people across your door. We discussed how to build bigger churches and we read the books of some guy who, you know, who got his church from four to 4,004, you know, in, in a week, you know, and how he did it and what he used and we have everything else conferences and getting people over the door. But you know what I found? You know what draws people? God's almighty presence. It really does to be in your presence. What captures people is his presence resting in one place. Because when his presence is there, something life-changing happens. See, when, when, when his presence is there, something supernatural happens. Something out of the norm happens. May we yearn for his presence. May we be desperate for him, for his presence. And I mean, we need to be careful, and I say it in our church as well, that we don't trade his presence for atmosphere. You know what I'm saying? That we don't trade his presence for atmosphere. Now let me say another thing as a side note. His presence is in the home. His presence was in the home. 
Let me, you know, let me get in your face a little bit. How's your home life? How's your marriage? Your kids? What's, what's happening behind closed doors? Maybe you look at, you look at other families. You think, you know what, they've got it all together. They're like the, the TV Waltons when we were like the TV Simpsons. You know, it's, it's maybe, you know, everything there. You look at their marriage like they're like glow-in-the-dark Christians. You know, and you look at us and we're struggling and we're, we're trying to get through. And maybe your relationships are fractured. Maybe your parents can't seem to get you. Your spouse is cold towards you and your relationship's a bit like your bank card, contactless. Maybe it's the weight of everything. Maybe the pressure of life. I, I always say it because there is always one. Maybe you're the person in your family, right? And what I mean by that, it all starts with R, right? And then the name of the person, Argel. Argel will sort that, you know. You know, our, our William will do that. It's our William, we'll talk to our William. Maybe you're that R in your family. That when everything's going really chaotic for everybody else, they come to you. They phone you. You're the go-to. You're the person that they come to. We'll, we'll, ring, we'll ring her. She, she'll know. She'll know what to do. But maybe you have nobody to go to. And uh, you feel the weight of that. Or maybe the only Christian in your family. Maybe the weight of that. You know, uh, husband not saved or wife not saved or, you know, and you're going back. You know, I would say to you, you know, because I love this place, I would, I would just be like a sponge in here. Get those people around you that will just infuse life into you. Let me say his presence makes the difference. You can get the right education for our kids and the work ethics and the morals and all of that's great. But he makes the difference. He makes the difference. I was doing, I was speaking at a men's thing in the Lake District there last October. Did a men's meeting on the Saturday and uh, I met this fella and he was huge. He, I was up to his navel, right? He was enormous. That boy would have ripped my arms off and beat me with him right? He was enormous. He had been a, like a football hooligan. He was mad into, into football. He was a mad Liverpool man, right? Really, I mean, mad Liverpool man. And so, so he introduced himself to me, told me a story, and I said, that's really good. Um, absolutely amazing what God has done in your life. And, uh, but he was so hard looking, tattoos, you know, the, the, you know, the spider on the... And so chatted away to him, and that was that. Sunday came, speaking at both services, that Sunday night, I was preaching away, and as I'm, you know, I got a word of knowledge, it just dropped into my spirit, but it was a name, right? And the name was Ethan, right? And so I could hear God sending me, used the word Ethan, and I'm going, no, Lord, because I don't know if it's you or not. I, you know, I don't know, I'm sure you're more spiritual than I am, but, you know, I'm just kind of thinking, no, if I throw this name out in front of these people, you know what I mean, I'm going to look like a really jet like Okay, idiot, whatever you call that. Right, so I am um, preaching away, and I'm really impressed. I said, Ethan, 
I'm saying there's a, there, you know, Ethan, what does that mean? And I, just, I made a couple of comments around it and left it. Afterwards, big beardy man, boy, big muscle guy, came over to me. My wife wants to talk to you. Not a problem. I'm going over. <laughs> Whatever he told me, I'm going to, yeah, no problem at all. I'm over. That's fine. A few hits to get him down, but I'm over. And, uh, and she's in tears, absolute tears. I says, you okay? He says, no, uh, see that Ethan? I, that just, that's my son's name. I says, all right. And I went, no, <laughs> got that one right. <laughs> I says, right, Ethan. Um, okay, he says, I was 25. He had a massive fight with my husband. Now, let me just say, husband was sitting two or three seats down, right? He was nowhere near. And uh, I says, right. He says, I had a big bust up five years ago. I don't know where he is. I really don't know where he is. Right, that's awful. He says, I'd love to know. I says, well, we're... and then I looked at him, and I said, come here, you. Come on over here. I says, you're really strong, aren't you? I says, if, if, any was coming at, if anyone was coming at your family, they'd have to go through you first, wouldn't they? And you would you'd beat the lot of them. You really would. But I don't believe you're a strong father or husband. Do you pray together? And he, he, looked, he just didn't say anything more. Um, she says, you know, no, we don't. I says, you know what I find now? It's the, the woman is the driving force spiritually in the home. I says, you need the presence of God in your home. You need to pray for Ethan. You need to pray together as a family. And I want you to take the lead, to be that husband and to be that father that you're supposed to be to your family. And that's what I'm saying out to every husband and every father here. Be that father. Don't, don't leave it to your wife to be the one who, who says, look, we need to pray together. You make that. You start bringing the presence of God. Yes, teach the kids well, but teach them, you know what? Mom and dad prayed for us. Mom and dad were there for us. Bring that into your home. So they're all packed in, waiting to see what was going on. What's he going to do? But they should have been really thinking, what's he going to say? Because he goes on and it says, he preaches the word to them. Wow, right? That's incredible to me. What a preach. That'd be the greatest preach given by the greatest preacher that ever lived. He preached the word. That would get me excited. And there's no better thing to preach the word, right? It's something we were talking about earlier. But it's, it's me, my wee soapbox. I love the word of God. I really do. Because see, in this day and age, and it's my soapbox, we have a pick and mix theology. We really do. Whatever you want, you can have whatever you want. You know what? Pick your lifestyle kind of preaching. Your best life now. You know, God's so merciful. He understands and he loves me and he wants me to be happy. The Bible's old fuddy-duddy. It's old-fashioned and needs to be relevant. Prosperity, money is God and it's God's job and his purpose to get what I want. A comfortable gospel, no sacrifice needed, no holiness required, no cost no pain. Really? We need the Word of God, people. You know what? You know what's going to feed you? The Word of God. Yes, podcasts are great. Other preachers are brilliant. But I don't want their opinion. I want to hear God's opinion. I want a rema. I need a rema word into my heart and into my life every day. You know, used to, used to read God's Word, right? We had our, our pattern, three Three chapters every day and five on a Sunday. And we thought that was going good. Then we thought we need a help. So we got the every day with Jesus. 
We got our every day with Jesus and we think, you know what? Every day with Jesus. Maybe they could bring out a new book, Every Other Day with Jesus. Maybe we could do that one. And then if they brought out another book, Once in a While with God, that would be that would be so good. But we need to get back into God's word again. Let me tell you about a young 94-year-old, a Molly. Molly, um, oh, she, she was promoted to glory brighter about four years ago. An incredible woman, incredible woman. Every week I would go and see her, I should always have something to say. Now, whether that, now she was 94, she could say whatever she liked, right? She had a license to say whatever she liked. And as a pastor, you know, she was one who didn't miss and hit the wall, right? She was straight for you every week, positive or negative. So I was there. Hello, Molly. How are you? Great to see you, Pastor. Who was that woman? Her quote. Who was that woman that preached in our church two weeks ago? Right? I, the woman? Who was that? Oh, yes. Big missionary. Right? Big missionary in Pakistan. Incredible woman. Like the general superintendent of churches out there. I says, Molly, she's incredible. She's amazing. You know what? She didn't open the word of God once. Told about her mission stuff. Never opened the word of God once. Well, let me show you this. She got her Bible. She opened the first leaf of her Bible, and there's 20 quid sitting. See that 20 pounds, Pastor? I said, yeah. That 20 pounds there is for my offering. Not my tithe, mind you. No, no, no. I give to God. And plus, see when those people come, and all those lovely singers and all, and they have their DVDs or CDs, she says, people are giving me 10 pounds. You know, 10 pounds here and there. <clears throat> You know, and I don't want to be embarrassed, so I have that 20 pound there. I said, right, wow, Molly. Then she put it over to the, the back leaf, her Bible, and she opened the back leaf of her Bible. Another 20 quid sitting. I says, wow. She says, what's that for? That's for missionaries. I give that to missionaries. And because she didn't open her Bible, I didn't open mine. What on earth? Molly! It's ridiculous. We need to open our Bibles. We really do. The words of life to overcome obstacles in human opinion with God's word. We have the power to affect change because of his word. And what a preach that would have been that day. The greatest man that ever lived, the greatest preacher that ever lived, he preached the word. And they're all packed in. Their eyes are fixed on Jesus, aren't they? Then a hole starts to appear in the, in the ceiling. And debris starts to fall. And then there's hands. And then four heads. Now, just, to, just as we say, no, people say that this is Simon Peter's house. <laughs> Simon Peter's house. Quiet, timid Peter. Not. I mean, of all the disciples' houses that you want to rip the roof off, it wouldn't be his. I mean, they're putting a hole in his roof. This is, I'll take your ear off, Peter. Right? This is the boy that if you cut him front, in front of you in the car, he's some things to say to you. 
I mean, it'd be good if it'd been John. Oh, John had been great. John's the one who'd be lying on, on Jesus' chest going, oh, look at my creator. Look at the stars. Look at all what you have done. But not Peter. No, so I'd love to see what would have happened there. And as they're all looking up, it says that in verse 4, the paralytic is lowered down. And that's interesting to me. And to tell you for why. The Bible sometimes does this. It's a literary nuance of gender and issue. The paralytic. Man, who's a paralytic? The woman who had an issue of blood. We seem to get the gender and the issue, not the name. And it speaks to me how humans define people by their issue or dysfunction. People love to label you. People love to define you by your dysfunction. When we talk about people, we go, divorced, you know. Ex-alcoholic, drug addict. Isn't it funny how people love to label you the subtotal of your identity is the mistake that you made? I wanted to say something to you today was this. You're not defined by your issue or dysfunction. He knows all about the guilt and the shame. People may throw all this stuff in your face. And you can say, yeah, you know a lot about me. But because I know Jesus, because I have a relationship with the living God, that's, that's history. He's got a destiny for me. I'm not defined. I'm a new creation. Old things have passed away. You know, I, it's great what God has for me right now. I'm not defined by what you say to me, what social media says about my life, even what the devil says over me. I'm defined about what Jesus says about me. My past is washed away. In Christ, I've been made whole. I am more than my mistake. My issue is not my identity because my identity is found in Jesus Christ. In fact, when he looks over your life, he sees red, crimson red. He sees the blood of Jesus that has washed all your sins away. He sees the cross over your life. You matter. You're valued. You're loved. He sees you and he loves you. He's heard your cry. He knows the deep hurt. He's felt the tears. He's the one who says, I, I know, I've been there. He's the only one that can truly say it. But you see, to get all of this, to know healing and to know his power and to know, look, all of that salvation is to be where this man is. Position at his feet. For that miracle to happen and that healing to happen, for that freedom to take place, you need to be positioned at his feet. He saw their faith. I don't want you to miss that. And note the phrasing. When he saw their faith, 
I've had people come up for prayer and they say, you know, I don't believe God will heal me. And I've gone, that's okay, I do. It's fine. When he saw their faith, nothing was going to stop them bringing their friend to Jesus. You see that? No crowd, no roof bell, no roof was going to stop them getting their friend to Jesus. And I thank God for friends like that. You know what? I want those kind of friends in my life. I want those tear the roof kind of people in my life. Because I get mat people. You know those kind of people? They're the mat people. You know the ground's really not bad. I mean my mat's pretty good. Your mat's pretty good. If we go on to mats.com, we'll get a new mat. We're all right down here. You know I meet BMW people I call them. Blamers, moaners and whingers. Right? I find them. Now I know there's none here, but you get them. Oh goodness, I had some woman walked up to me one day after a meeting. And I could see her coming down the aisle. And I'm thinking, Lord, just take me right now, Jesus. Just come right. Honestly, I can see her. She's coming. She's, Lord, just take me home. I'm a Christian. Really? Other faiths are available. And oh, I don't know where it is in our day and all that. Well, I don't want that kind of person. I'm sorry. I, I don't want negativity. I, I want tear the roof people. I want those kind of people that will get me to Jesus. And you've had them. You've had them. You've had tear the roof family that has prayed over you, has shared, or shed tears over you. This is a tear the roof off church. How do I know that? Well, they design services so you don't get embarrassed or uncomfortable. There's programs and departments for children right through to seniors. They will tear the roof off to get you to Jesus. Because we have the answer. And it's Jesus. He is the only way. But one thing I'm intrigued about. One thing I'm really intrigued about, and this is it. And as I've just mentioned, we need the presence of Jesus. We want to be in, that's what we talk about, now, just the presence of Jesus. We want to be in the presence of Jesus. Well, this paralytic has positioned us down at Jesus' feet. He's in his presence, but he's still paralyzed. When Jesus turned up for Lazarus, he was there. Still nothing happened. And isn't it wonderful that we come in through those doors and you know what? And we can talk to everybody. How are you? Fit like? I'm great. I'm just super. Life is just zippity doo Brilliant. Yet, you know, you know when you're coming down in the car, you and the wife were having that conversation. <laughs> it's like the exorcist. And you're walking in through the door and you're thinking, my goodness, I've got to go to work tomorrow. The pressure on that. And no, we're not telling people. My goodness, we're very private. But can I stop acting for a moment? And maybe as you're in his presence now, and you're positioned at his feet now, you're paralyzed. There's something that's preventing your walk. I'm talking about something that you've cried out to God for. That secret place. 
If I didn't have this, or I didn't do this, or if I didn't act like this, or I didn't think like this, my walk with you would be so much better. Yeah. Isn't it funny, though, the church, the one place where we say and declare, come as you are, come up me, no matter your issue, come through the doors, come. No matter how bad your sin is, we are a hospital for the hurting. But then you come into the hospital, you stay a little while, then you feel your need to hide your cough, you know, to stop the limp and put on our church mask and think, well, yeah, yeah, things are, yeah, absolutely amazing in my life. God has a way of putting you at the right place at the right time to hear the right word at the right moment so you can get up and walk in the fullness of what God has for you. A couple of things to say. I've I've entitled this, this part, Really? Just what I call it, Really? Now, the sermon's been interrupted. Everyone's looking to the hole in the roof seeing this man being lowered down. Now, you can see that, you know, you're, like if we were all, you know, sitting here and uh, somebody started to come down from the roof, you're thinking, you know, wow. I mean, you know, what, you're thinking, what's Jesus going to do? I mean, this is what they've paid their ticket to see, isn't it? I mean, it's already been rumored that Jesus has supernatural power and he's in the town. You can hear them. Right, boys, get the Coke and the popcorn. This is going to be amazing. What will he do? I heard he spat somewhere. You think he's going to do that? Which, you know, what, what, what would he do? I mean, and as well, the man who had to be embarrassed. I don't know. I mean, just you're going to be watching this guy, aren't you? You know, just going all the way down. And you're going to be embarrassed. You know, you've been, you've been trying to get in to see this guy, Jesus. And, you know, and he thinks now I'm going to be able to jump. I mean, I've heard about his supernatural power, and you know what? I've been, I've been, you know, brought up the side of a building. I've gone through, and I've been lowered right down. This is it for me. I mean, I'm going to be jumping. I'm going to be dancing. I mean, this is, this is it. I'm going to be, I don't know what way I'll celebrate. Maybe do a couple of backflips, but I tell you what, I haven't had the use of these legs for a long time. So Jesus sock it to me, and Jesus looks at him and says, your sins are forgiven. No, hold on a second, Jesus. I mean, I've been carried through a crowd, right? I've been up the side of a house. A hole's been made so I can be lowered in into the presence of, of you and everybody's been telling me that you're going to heal me. And the first thing you say to me, your sins are forgiven. Well, yee Don't need these legs anyway. I can crawl anywhere. That's brilliant. That's the, you know, what, what really? Thumbs up, guys. Thanks for bringing me here. Sins forgiven, missions accomplished. Let's go home. I mean, Jesus. I mean, that's not what I'm here for. You see, when you think Jesus has lost the plot, pay close attention. See, this man doesn't realize, and don't miss it. He was in the right place and exact position that God often reveals himself. You see, you look at scripture, you see, and, and in our lives, I think 
Rarely is Jesus recognized when he's more often revealed. He reveals himself when our experiences don't line up with what we were expecting. What I mean by that is, so you think of Lazarus, and he's sick. And he's told, look, your friend is sick. But he holds off a while. Lazarus dies. Jesus is not at the funeral. He's not at the graveside. He doesn't show up till four days later. You'd think, you know what? Jesus, get the next easy jet donkey and get out there. And Martha runs to him. If you'd have been here, Jesus. And Jesus will say to her, it's not what I've come for. And he'll walk right past her. And she was expecting a healer. But what she got was someone who can bring life from death. Not only did she find out that he was a healer, she found out that in dead situations, he can bring life too. That he has the power over the grave. He says, Lazarus, come forth. And the dead man walked out. They got a revelation and demonstration of who he is. You see, it's not until you're sick you get the revelation that he's the healer. It's not until you're strapped financially that you get the revelation that he's your provider. It's not until you're in bondage that you get the revelation that he can set you free. You see, it's not until somebody forsakes you, stabs you in the back, that you get the revelation that he never will. And what he's revealing to this man is your sins are forgiven. And only a savior can say that. Maybe the, the guy was going, hello, Jesus, my legs. You don't know, Jesus, what my problem is. And he's going, no, you don't know. You don't know. You're talking about the fruit of the issue. I'm going to the roots of the issue. I need to deal with that first. You see, you could be here the day expecting something that you weren't sure. But God is revealing himself to you in a powerful way. Maybe we're asking God to deal with the fruit. But maybe he's looking something deeper. He's revealing himself to you as Savior, maybe as healer, as provider, the God of your breakthrough. And this is the two words that I have to finish. He's telling you, as he told this man in verse 12, get up. He told him to get up. He didn't say, you know what, starting next Monday, we're doing a seven-week series on how to get up. We're going to have different people who are going to come in and talk to you of how they got up. And I mean, we're going to do it. It's going to be in a beautiful tent. We're going to have a couple of singers that are come along. We have a wonderful team called Elevation. And they'll be there. And uh, it'll be brilliant. The songs will be amazing. And uh, with just a little seven-week series, we'll probably go into groups. And after the groups, we'll to talk about how you're down and how the math situation is all about. And then by the set, no. He 
he says to him, get up. And it says in the next verse, he got up. I mean, that's what it says. It doesn't say he took time. It says he got up, he grabbed his mat, and off he walked. And maybe we need to get up. Maybe we need to get a bit of spiritual backbone. We've been lying under the footprints, Jesus. You know, he carries me. Great. But you know what? There's a time he sets you down. There's a time that you need to say in your own life, get up. Get up and walk into all God has for me, that new place. Get up and live the life that he wants you to have, saved, healed, and free, a life of purpose. Get up from your past. Get up from all the people think about you and get your eyes on the one who loves you, who put his hand and have call upon your life. Get up from your worry and anxiety. Stop laying down. Stop being paralyzed by whatever it is and say, you know what, God? I'm getting up. You are giving me the power, the strength to get up. And I want to walk in freedom. I want to walk in the power of your name. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I'm going to lay hold of your revelation of your power. I'm going to lay hold of what your word tells me. Who I am as a child of the living God. I'm going to lay hold of the gospel. I'm going to lay hold of all that you have for me. And I'm, I'm walking. I'm, I'm not staying in this mat any longer. I'm not getting around those people. I'm getting around to tear the roof of kind of people that are going to keep me going and keep me that strength and will impart you into me and I will impart into them. That's the kind of Christian I want to be. But you need to make that decision. Paul, would you come up the rest of the team? Jesus. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to move ahead. I, I know we'll be okay. Um, I don't see every preacher that comes into our church. I was talking about appeals. And sometimes I go, right, okay. Because then they, uh, you know, they pay for the unsaved, then they pay for the backslider, then anybody here love their granny, you know, it, it just, um, and I don't do it normally, but when I feel impressed by it, I, I will. Nobody comes to the front, that's fine. This is not about me. This is about you. And what I'm going to ask you to do is to come to the front. Is that oil? Oh, wow. I, I believe in the, in the anointing. I really do. I really do. And I, that's brilliant that's there. Because uh, I usually carry one with me. Um, and I, I want you to, as, as we say, do gratitude, would you? Um, just that get up. You know, come on my soul. And that line, get up. I want to go say to you is that, that if you want prayer for anything, whatever you need, just to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to get up. I'm, I'm sick and tired of being on this mat. And and I want to get up, and I'm coming, I'm standing, and, and even if you don't have what you're thinking, oh, I'm just going to come up, you know, you've got leaders here who are going to pray around you. I mean, and just to say, you know what, I get it, Paul. I, I, I've got it, what you've said today. I've got what God said into my heart. 
I'm, I'm going to get up and I'm going to come and, and I, I want to be free. I, I want to be healed. I want to I walk into the, the breakthrough that I've been praying for, been asking God for, or that prodigal that has been away for so long, that Ethan. They're going, you know what? I, I, I'm getting up again. I mean, it's prayers that you have prayed. Maybe it's, it's, it's something that you've been knocking at heaven's door for a long time. Well, you come to the front, right? Let's pray and believe God. 